I've been thinking a lot lately. I'm no expert on this, but I'm beginning to think to be a parent involves a certain level of insanity. Again, I'm not an expert. I don't do it myself. It's just something I'm beginning to notice. I mean, parents care for their children. They comfort them when they get hurt. But I've been noticing lately that a large portion of parenting is getting your kids to do really dangerous things. Things that if you just left them alone, they'd be completely safe. But parents actually encourage their kids to do things that are more dangerous. Take an infant, for example, right? When it's born, it just lays there. Totally safe. Can't do a thing. And then as soon as it begins to crawl, the parents are like, oh, it's crawling. And I'm like, no, now I can fall downstairs. And then the child begins to walk. It's like, come to daddy. And you're like, no. <laughs> now you need like a helmet and football pads. And you've got to put things up higher because they can swallow them. And yet there's this encouragement. Or like when a kid, a little toddler's running down a hill. You ever seen that? They are one step away from utter ruin. <clears throat> and yet everybody's like, look at him run. <laughs> and they encourage it. They encourage dangerous things. I saw this most effectively uh, on this 4th of July. I had a chance to go out to a lake cabin. And this family has a wakeboarding boat. I don't know if you've ever seen these things. You know, they used to have little boats where like, you remember, I remember skiing behind them. And you would like eat water for like four minutes before you actually got out of the water. Not now. They hit it, you're up. It's like an 800 horsepower engine on these boats. Anyway, I saw this. There's this little kid. He's, I don't know, he's probably seven by now, eight. And we were all tubing. And I was out tubing. I was, you know, doing barrel rolls, flipping with the tube and bouncing and getting wrecked and... Finally, the dad was like, hey, to his son, you should go. And the kid's like, I don't want to go. And he's like, get out there. Be a man. And so the kid's shaking, you know, he gets on the back of this tube behind a 400 horsepower wakeboarding boat. And he's sitting there bobbing up, you know, pure white. And they teach the kid, at least this is what they taught me. So this is what I taught him. (laughs) When he's ready, he says, what? Hit it! No! (laughs) It'd be like, okay, Dad, gradually accelerate to a nice speed I can handle. But we teach him, hit it! And this boat floors it. Now, this is the best part. The number one intention of the father at this point is to do what? Get his kid off the tube which involves insane speeds and crazy turns. And when the kid finally comes off and, you know, skids across the water, and you get over to him and he's bobbing up and down the water, white, crying, what do all the guys on the boat say? Good job! Do it again! I mean, that is a sheer level of insanity. But here's the deal, folks. What is the matter with us? What's the matter is we like excitement. We want life to be exciting. But there's a certain part of life to be exciting that has to be dangerous. How fun would it be just to putt around a boat behind a tube just sitting on it? Well, for me, that might be great. 
cold beer, <laughs> cruising along. But for young people, they want to go fast. They want to jump the wake. They want to barrel roll. They want to flip. They want to wreck. And the craziest part of this whole thing is, my friends, <clears throat> is we do this in every aspect. Go out there and tear people apart on the line. Go out there and score goals. Go out there and throw your body into the basketball game. Where is the one place that, for the most part, Catholics teach their kids to be really safe? It's the faith. Be safe. Don't go too crazy with the faith. It's dangerous. We don't trust God. And I say we because I'm involved with this as well. This is the other thing I was thinking about. Think of all the things you have. And you have insurance to protect those things. Why? Because those things are going to fail. So we have insurance to protect them. It's the same with the faith. What does insurance in the faith look like? This is what it looks like. I couldn't possibly go all in like the disciples in the gospel today. That's crazy. Where's the insurance in that? They didn't have anything. I love this story, by the way. <clears throat> Jesus gathers them together, right? And he's like, okay, guys. This is, if you, I'm going to tell you this a lot. This is how I pray. It's called imaginative prayer. I put myself into the scene. Read the gospel, put myself into the scene as one of the disciples. And Jesus is like, all right, here's the deal. I'm sending you out two by two. Go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Take nothing with you. Nothing. No money. No extra clothes. Nothing. But you can take a walking stick. And I'm like, oh. All right. And he's like, and wear sandals. <laughs> this journey's getting better by the moment. That's it. That's all they get. A walking stick, their clothes, and sandals. And here's the crazy part. They did it. And what happens? What happens when you live by faith like that? They drive out demons. They work miracles. They heal the sick. You know why we don't see more miracles in our day and age? Because of insurance. We live by insurance. I got to take care of myself because God won't do that at every aspect. Remember last week in the gospel, it ended by saying, and Jesus could work very few miracles in that place. He was amazed at their lack of faith. <clears throat> what does it take to work miracles? What does it take to heal the sick? Faith. Deep, deep faith. Why doesn't God give insurance today? It's a simple principle. You ready for it? I'm not a theologian, by the way. <laughs> I'm a simple parish priest. Because God can't fail. Failure is not a word that can be associated with God. Therefore, he refuses to give insurance. He doesn't need to. But what he does give us is assurance. The assurance that no matter how crazy life gets, I am with you. And I love you. And then, and then, he gives us an image of it. 
right there. Our lady stood at the foot of the cross, and if she would have banked on insurance, every policy she had was bankrupt. But she banked on assurance that he said he would rise. He said he was God. And that was enough. And that's what gave her the strength to stand at the foot of the cross. Insurance is fine, you guys. I don't want you to go home and cancel all your policies. Okay? It's not what I'm preaching. It's a good thing. In fact, it's kind of funny because insurance, when something goes wrong, you're kind of glad. You're like, (laughs) pay up. Because I've been paying in forever. The problem isn't protecting the goods. The problem is when you are controlled by the desire to protect the goods. I don't know if any of this is a little bit older crowd. I don't know if any of you know the rapper Biggie Smalls. Back when I was in high school. I usually don't quote rappers in my homilies. But he had this line, more money more problems. I actually said, mo money, mo problems. <clears throat> but he was right. The more we have, the more we're controlled by the desire to protect it all, to watch over it all. And when this happens, we're not free. We're controlled by the goods that we have. All of us in this church have a lot And the more you have, the more you have to lose. This is why it's so hard for us to trust God. And I'm with you in this. For Americans, it's hard. Because there's so much material consolation. If we want more, we just go buy it. And that makes it so hard to trust in the Father's providence. You know where I saw the greatest faith in my entire life? Africa. The people of Africa. Because here's the deal, folks. If it doesn't rain, they don't eat. You want to talk about depending on the Father? You want to talk about real prayer? They don't have irrigation systems. As soon as, if if it doesn't rain, their family starves. I learned the reality of living this blessed assurance when I've, I visited Medjugorje, have you guys heard of Medjugorje? It's a place where it is said that the Blessed Virgin Mary is appearing. The church hasn't confirmed or denied that yet. But I went there. And right before I was going to go, my buddy visited me. And he's like, I heard you're going to Medj. Because that's how seminarians talk. We shorten things. It's weird. He's like, I heard you're going to Medj. And I'm like, yeah, man. I'm like, I'm pumped. Like, I'm going to pray there. And he's like, you got to go under God's divine providence. And I'm like, what does that mean? He's like, don't take anything with you. No money. Just your passport and a one-way ticket. And I'm like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. And he's like, I'm serious, man. He's like, I know so many people, myself included. It works. And so because I'm an idiot, I did it. Passport, one-way ticket, clothes on my back. When I got there, I didn't realize he had to take a bus to get to Medjugorje. So I landed off the boat and I'm standing in Bosnia with a passport and that's it. And so I go up to the bus guy and I'm like, hey, is this bus going to Medjugorje? Yeah, it does. Okay, can I come? Yeah, you gotta buy a ticket. I don't have any money. Why? 
Because I left it at home. That was stupid. I know. He's like, well, let's just see how many seats we sell. So right before he leaves, one seat open. He said, get on. Got to Medjugorje, showed up. Had nowhere to stay because I didn't plan that. So I knew this place where they rehabilitated drug dealers and prostitutes. So I figured that'd be the best place to go to stay the night. <laughs> so I showed up there and I said, uh, do you have any places to stay? And they're like, are you a drug dealer? <laughs> and I said, no. Then no, we don't. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to sit here then. So I sat in the chapel. For about two hours, nothing happened. I got up, walked out. As I came around the corner, two of my buddies that had graduated two years before from the North American College walked up, and I'm like, they were priests at the time. I'm like, what are you guys doing here? And they're like, we're just visiting Mary. What are you doing? I'm like, me too. It's like, you guys know where I can stay for the night? And they're like, yeah, there's a hostel. And I'm like, yeah, I, didn't, I don't have any money. Like, those are ATMs. I'm like, no, I didn't bring any. And they're like, that was stupid. <laughs> like, I know. And they're like, we have room on the floor, stuffed on the floor of their place. No food. They had just enough food for the two of them. That was part of the deal that they paid for. I ate the leftovers. And on the final day, I ran into a couple never met before. Turned out that they had been huge benefactors in America for seminarians. They were so impressed at my stupidity that they paid for my ticket home. It was the freest I have ever been in my life. I didn't have a lot, but I had enough. I learned to live freely. I found, as Jesus calls, the pearl of great price. And I began to believe in my bones the assurance that no matter what happens in life, God will be there. He may not fix it, but he will be there. So the question this morning is, where do you place your trust? In the insurance of the world and your stuff? Or the blessed assurance of the God who loves you more than you can possibly imagine and who will never leave you alone?